This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kura Mawera. Kura Sam, how's it going? Very good. How was your Easter? It was really good. I spent, we went down to Gisborne and stayed with some friends uh, on a, a sheep station called Pihitia. We actually interviewed the owner of that station half, half a year ago, Toby Williams. And so we stayed at their place and I just got a lot of writing done while my family went hunting and fishing and wandering on beaches and having a lot of fun. That sounds like an ideal way to do, do things. It really was. Did you book your ticket to Australia yet? No. No, I think my sister is, is pretty keen to be getting over there pretty fast, though, so there might be people travelling quite quickly. I would say. Mm. And who are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce my longest-suffering son. <laughs> His name is David, and he is... I was very lucky when I had him because he turned out to be one of my best friends. Um, and he's a very cool person and has a very different life from mine and a different outlook from mine and I just feel lucky to really to have him and I'm really proud to get to share him with the world today. So welcome David. Kira David. Kira Sam, thanks for having me on. Thank you for for coming on. I, I suspect there might have been some pressure going on at, in the household in Fokotani. <laughs> Wee bit. Uh, mum, mum asked if uh, I wanted to come on the day that I got into Fakatani, and uh, at that point I thought, no, I don't really have anything to say. <laughs> but after a wonderful trip in Gisborne and chatting to a bunch of people, I'm feeling a bit more open at the moment, I guess. So how was your bubble life? Uh, it was, honestly, very much the same as the rest of my adult <laughs> life. Um, it's, I, yep, I, I, I've been practicing uh, staying six feet away from people and staying in my own room for a good 12 years now. So <laughs> overall, really not that much of a change. I think the biggest change was that uh, my usual food delivery services unfortunately weren't doing uh, any delivery whatsoever during level four. And so I did almost starve. <laughs> well, we couldn't have had that. That would have made other people would have had to go out of their bubbles to bring you food. Uh, yes, exactly. I, I'm lucky that I, I did work an essential uh, job at the time. I work at a call centre in a taxi company. And while they did offer work-from-home solutions, uh, it was on some pretty substandard equipment. And so I decided I would um, continue going on site. I was one of the only people there. Uh, but a good friend of mine, a dispatcher there, Bailey, um, he also went in and just started cooking me dinner, made, made lovely burgers. He's a brilliant cook. And so he kept me alive, honestly. What were the taxis doing during the lockdown? Oh, it was dead. Honestly, uh, we, we really should have just completely shut down. I know that we, we did um, get a lot of emails from my manager saying how much financial turmoil we were in. Um, 
where we simply just didn't have any business, of course, because no one was going anywhere. Uh, we do a bureau for Christchurch and Nelson as well, and we'd just picked up Christchurch the moment that level four started. And it, I guess it was a very easy introduction into Christchurch because we got a call maybe once every hour from them. Um, we, we went down to, I think, three passengers maximum, and yeah, they, it just it didn't matter because no one was going anywhere. Uh, I'm honestly surprised that we still have the job. Uh, <laughs> we, we recovered somehow. What were the people that were going places doing? Were they going to work and going to the doctors, that sort of thing? Yeah, mainly. Uh, you, did have your, you did have your occasional cheeky people who were clearly not going somewhere they should be, uh, and we did have to sort of put a bit of a control on that. We had to kind of question the customers a bit and say, hey, are you actually really going where you're going? Because we did want to make sure everyone was adhering to the rules. Um, so we had some angry people, but we, we made sure that they didn't go to the places they didn't need to. So I hear you're a professional gamer. Yeah, yeah, you, you could say that. I've, <laughs> I, 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 that. That's how I would like to have my life go. I, I've started everything. I've got all of the necessary things to start becoming someone who can play games and make enough money to live doing so. So for the time being, I work three days a week at um, Combined Taxis, and then I use that money to be able to build up the infrastructure for what I hope is going to be a nice sort of gaming collection. Um, I, I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, I have a blog, which I've been working on for the past four years, which chronicles the last 12 years that I've spent playing games. Uh, I'm incredibly passionate about it. I play all kinds. I just I find that games for me are the relaxation of watching movies, the, uh, the, um, uh, the engagement of reading a book, and the rewarding, how, how rewarding playing an instrument is. It's all three of those things at once for me. What's 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 so catching for it? Because I mean, somebody else has written it. So someone else is, I suppose, like in a book, they've already written the story. You've got yeah. some control over the story in the game. Mm. And for music, uh, a lot of music that people play are other people's pieces. Um, and I can definitely see that aspect. Or when I talk about it that way, I think yeah, you're not necessarily creating anything new. Uh, but with the blog that I'm writing, I feel like I am expressing the memories and the unique feelings that I'm getting from each of the games in this blog, and I'm really giving a different perspective and getting occasionally managing to also get the developers of the games involved. Because, you know, most of these games get played by people, and then the, I would say maybe 90% of the people who play any given game don't know what the developer of the game's name is, and yet they're a huge part of the game, obviously. They're, they're the reason why it exists, and yet they, they just kind of go, and the thing that gets the marketing is the game's name, not the people who made it. So what do you have to do to become sufficiently professional to be able to describe yourself as a professional? Get lucky. Uh, the, the whole process really comes down to it's like digital busking. So it's you make YouTube videos or Twitch streams where you're just showing yourself playing games and you hope that you're going to be either entertaining enough or skilled enough to be able to build in viewers and actually be entertaining. But I mean, there are many, many, many people who are trying to do the same thing now because this has obviously sort of shown that it's become a really popular thing. You've got streamers with tens of millions of viewers who make a lot of money from the donations that they get for playing the game. That's where the sort of busking comparison comes in. Uh, and yeah, live very good lives just for being able to do what they love every day which is a really cool concept. I, I'm looking to do something similar to that, but in order to do that, I'm going to need an initial uh, viewer base, of course. So is it the, I suppose it's the combination, the skill of playing, but also the, are you doing some sort of commentary as you're going along? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, it, it, you can really sort of find your niche, right? You've got some people who aren't necessarily that good at the game. You know, there's a lot of other people better, but they're also very funny. And really, they're really just being comedians at that point. It's really just a, a comedy set with the game in the background. But then you've got other people who are just so impressively skilled at the game. You're so familiar with the game and you see them just doing things that you've never seen before with it that you're just enthralled by them playing it. And so they could not speak for 15, 20 minutes and you're just still watching them perform these amazing feats. And for me, I, I feel like I'm on that latter side with, uh, you know, I, I've played this uh, this game with my friend who for the entire, uh, the, the game is made of 470 challenges and every one of those 470 challenges we received the world record time and score for uh, consecutively, which is something I personally have never seen anyone do before and we managed to do in about three months. Is that... A, a, a skill of being able to do it or is it persistence is it to, to, to be so persistent or so consistent at, at breaking that world record must mean you've you've cracked it somehow yeah uh, that, that's a good question I, it, I constantly myself think about the difference between skill and persistence because really what it comes down to is yes we spent a very large <laughs> amount of time playing that game we spent over 100 hours i'd say together um, playing that game figuring out every niche of it and i do wonder if anyone else had the determination to spend 100 hours doing exactly what they did would they have also achieved what we did or not i can't actually answer that question i don't know let's take the first of your music choices uh, let's have dirty prospect projectors death spiral why this one uh, this was really, um, this was the first time that I'd sort of gone out of my own little bubble uh, with Spotify, where I was just listening to the same music over and over and over again. And then Spotify kind of said to me, hey, you should listen to something different. And the first thing that it popped up with was this song, and it just broke me out of my little music <laughs> bubble. Now I've gone on a crazy music adventure. Second before the plane became shards of glass when he crashed. Oh, I woke up feeling like I'm sipping on some Willie Descartes, and your big gulp in the Bible. Your wings are broken, so we fly in a spiral. All I have is my love of love, but now you wanna blow us up. Just so rock and roll, suicidal. Tailspin, no style. Now state of mind. My 
David, you said you like all sorts of games, but do you have something in particular, a, a genre? Oh, uh, good question. I, honestly, no, I, I, I like them all. Um, it's it's really, uh, it's, I guess it's easier to say which ones I don't like. Um, I definitely prefer the more reflex sort of skill-based ones as opposed to like the strategy-based ones. I much prefer to have my hands busy all the time, <laughs> the mind constantly. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. And so how do you tell a good game? A good game... A good game is one that, that that's done by a developer who's shown some integri- integrity for um for what they want to create. So they they haven't been told by their publisher that they should make this game, which happens far too often. Um, because you know the previous game that they made was successful for a particular reason, and so they were told to make uh 
that particular game regardless of whether they wanted to or not. Uh, I think it's very obvious when you can see the developer actually cares about what they're making. And uh, I think that's the thing that draws me to a game, uh, which again is why I'm sort of kind of genre agnostic really. Uh, I like games that look like they wanted to be made. Do you get into the mods? No, I don't. Uh, I really don't. Vehemently, in fact, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of against them. Uh, I, I feel as though the developer is the one who made the game, and that is the game you should be playing. Uh, I don't feel as though we should be adding our own uh, changes to the game because that it kind of ruins the integrity. Although games that have intentional... I'm sure there are mods. Games that do that intentionally, right. I'm thinking Minecraft, they've been a runaway success right. um, because of that level of control. Yeah, that's a that, that's a good point. Um, I, I've I've played a bit of Minecraft, and I, I do know that a lot of people mod that. And it, you know, the developer himself, Notch, has come out and said, "Yeah, absolutely. The reason why this game came out so successfully is because the modding community just ran away with it." And I think that's awesome. Um, I've played a couple of Minecraft mods, but I I don't know. There's just something about the developer himself and the original vision that he had that I find is something I want to stick to rigidly. So when I played Minecraft, I played it without mods. I never had an intention of um, playing it with mods because it's it's the experience that I want. And I also, I wanted to end at some point. I want it to be a story that has a, a beginning, middle, and end. And so when you start adding mods to the equation, then you're artificially extending the life of a product that wasn't necessarily supposed to be alive for that long. You know, of course, that your mother is working on social change. What's your take on yeah. games that that have a, like a social purpose. Does, do they work? Um, ooh, you can sample something. Um, I'm trying to think of a... a there, there are a lot more politically aware games nowadays. Uh, I'm just trying to think of one off the top of my head. Um, I guess so when it comes to your multiplayer games, uh, so you've got, you've got your, like, your uh, massively multiplayer games where you're playing with thousands of people at once. Uh, that's an interesting social experiment. Um, there, there's been... There was a really interesting thing that happened with a particular game where a virtual disease went through and wiped out uh, a bunch of the game's population uh, for a long time. Every time you came back to life, you just got killed again by it. And there have been studies done about the way that the players responded and the way that the healer groups popped up and tried to save people from dying. But then you also had this other faction of people who were trying to keep this going. And it wasn't intended by the game. This came out out of nowhere. It was basically a bug an incredibly um, destructive bug that was sort of ruining the game. But it, it caused uh, a real-life scenario to happen within the game, which I guess we kind of saw happen with uh, um, COVID. Do you think... You, you're talking there about people taking on roles, like a, a healer role. Do you think yeah. that the the leadership and the roles that people take in those sorts of games, those the, the massively multiplayer games and so on... Is the leadership the same as in, in real life? Is it traits that we can see happening in other places? Absolutely. Uh, I was just recently in what we call a guild, which is a, a group of people who are together to do a particular task in the game. And um, I, I was holding an officer role for a while, and it felt like I was part of the business. It, they really had a business model. You had times that you had to turn up. We had meetings weekly, sometimes more. Uh, it was really interesting to see uh, just just how I could apply some of the things that I learned from being an officer in that guild to an actual business model. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokudui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. 
Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanui ki a koutou kotaua hau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, a triumph of nature's art perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. So as we all know we've been through so much together in the last year and here we find ourselves having moved through several lockdown levels and different phases of being, seeing, doing. Now here we are co-evolving with all life in an infinite web with the news that we will soon be having a trans-Tasman bubble and we'll be able to frolic between here, Aotearoa, New Zealand and Australia without the need for quarantine. So we'll see how this all unfolds. And for myself, as I'm sure we're all feeling, there's a mix of emotions. And as we know, we can feel multiple emotions at once. We can hold in our heart and in our mind visions of the future, an idealised future, what we would like. And of course we can also envision other situations that might occur. As a species of course we are so imaginative, we're so creative innately and this means that our consciousness can produce all of these scenarios within us to experience before they happen, should they happen at all. And in some ways this can be very helpful for us. This can allow us to prepare ourselves for things that could be coming up and put strategies in place to deal with them. For me, I'm up in the beautiful Wairapa visiting my lovely partner and it's been really, really, really lovely. I'm heading back to Autiporti, Staneden today. But again, for me, this process of feeling and thinking about multiple scenarios is taking place. And when I head back, it will be to quite a different lifestyle, quite a different environment. Lots of events, lots of things on with work, lots of things in the external world. And having had this time really connecting with other aspects of myself, my internal universe, I think that it will be quite an interesting shift. Having had this time really feeling myself loving, feeling all the love that is there in our relationship, which I'm very grateful for, I felt a great sense of peace and recharge that has come from that state of being. And of course for all of us when we are in relationship, which we are all the time with all life, we do have the opportunity to really feel that part of ourselves that can love, that's always there loving. And for me when I when I do feel that, that's when I feel the most peace and I feel my energy levels rising and recuperation and 
revivification taking place. So I really hope for you that you're finding opportunities in your day to really feel yourself loving. And this might be in response to a multitude of things. It can really be in response to anything that we can feel that sense of ourselves coming forward and we can feel that love that is always there. And I know for me that when I leave here tonight and I return to Aotearoa's Dunedin, I'm not going to have that direct, immediate contact with someone that I love very much. But I can bring that aspect of myself forward in other ways. And that's what I intend to do. So I really hope you have the opportunity to do this too. In whatever way works best for you. And with all of the different creations of our hearts and our minds, I hope they help you too. And I'll look forward to talking again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with David Karatai. Moira. David, it's it's a funny thing. I um, Jack, your 11-year-old brother, says to me all the time, I want to be a professional gamer. And I oh. say there's actually a rule in families where there can be only one professional gamer in a <laughs> And we've already got him, so we don't need another one. But I, I thought that you sort of had this pathway through life, and I, I realised that was my pathway for you. How, how did you, because you, you were committed to the pathway that I made, and then at some point you went off on your own. What do you have for young people who are going through that same thing, who are finding their own way? I guess it's just ultimately do what you're most passionate about. That's really as simple as that. I've been passionate about gaming since I was in the single digits. It's never really stopped being a thing that I stopped enjoying. Uh, Every time something new and interesting came along in the gaming sphere, it just got me more and more interested, and not just in the game itself, but in how it was made, and what's coming out next, and the community around that particular game. And so that's how I know. That, yeah, that, that was the thing that I really needed to do with my life, was just explore that more. So th- that's all I can really say, is that what you are most passionate about for an ex- extended point of time, like a decade, if there's one particular thing that you've never stopped thinking about, then pursue that. Did the... I, I know that the the gaming community has its own you know, chat um devices and places where conversation mm. is happening did the conversation around covid did it look to you like the conversation that was happening elsewhere or what was there a particular gamified flavor to it relief kind of uh, excitement in a way uh it, it was all sort of just very positive because of course you know going into your room and playing games with your friends online is exactly what they wanted us to do (laughs) Uh, it it was perfect anyone who was a gamer really i would expect most of us were like oh okay this is kind of neat um it's yeah as i say in that guild that i was in we had some attendance issues because people had these real life things that they had to do and all of a sudden COVID hits and no we don't have attendance issues anymore everyone wants to play games all the time uh, is it a community that you're part of, an international one, and did you see any differences as to how they were coping? Uh, yeah, it is international. Uh, I've spoken with Americans, Australians. I, I asked quite often. Uh, I would join um, these things called pickup groups, which is just random people that you've never met before. You just join and you do the activity with them. And I would um, talk to them and ask, you know, ask how they were doing, and it it was pretty sad to hear about the 
the amount of death that was happening in these other countries. And um, yeah, it just makes me realize how extremely lucky we are to be in New Zealand. And they weren't adversarial to me at all when I said, yeah, I I come from New Zealand. They said, oh my God, I wish I could be in New Zealand. That's you guys are so lucky. (laughs) That's so awesome for you. We're so happy for you. So no, it was all... It was all very positive. They were making something positive out of a terrible situation. Do you think that there, we can take any lessons from those game worlds for how we can better cope with disruptions such as such as COVID, but anything else that's disruptive on a large scale? Um, yeah, cooperative activity, I think, is the best activity in a time like this. We, we can get into a safe environment and you can just do things with each other. I don't, I get one of the things I want to mention is I don't really play competitive games. I don't really want to compete against people or try to beat them or kill them or things like that. I want to play alongside them. And if there's something that, you know, we're playing alongside and a little competition in between, that's cool. I like that. Like when I was playing uh, with Alex with that world record game, we had our own little game in ourselves and that we were trying to beat each other. And that's why we got so much better at the game together. But yeah, ultimately, I think it should be cooperative because it just helps us to to get to know each other and to relate to each other i wonder if there's anything that we could do to <laughs> capture is not the right word i'm looking for but to, to 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 reinforce that kind of cooperation without us all having to play games all the time but yeah, learning no, from it, the ga- learning from the gaming community it's something pretty unique to games, I guess. Like you, you look at, uh, I think what's kind of interesting is you, you look at um, a lot of sports where there's only one prime objective, and that's get to the goal before the opponent does. Um, and it's all very adversarial and sometimes violent, and that's the most popular stuff that people are, are watching. Um, and yet, there's now uh, in esports, which started off like that, it was a digital representation of things like you know rugby and soccer. It's the same concept. You've got two teams, and you need to get to the goal before they do, and it's all very competitive. But now we've got um, certain games that are entering the esports scene, which are based off cooperation, and you get to see people figure out things together. And you still have this inherent competitiveness in that they are both competing for the same. They're competing through the same environments in an um, asynchronous way. So they're both in the same environments, but in completely different times and completely different spaces, and they're just trying to get to the objective the fastest. But ultimately, that's that's cooperation. I I would like to see more of that in in a real-life scenario. I want to see more games and activities that get attention, that involve people cooperating with each other, and that the cooperation is the most important aspect. If you take away the, the the competition, as in the the somebody or the groups of somebody can win, because I'm mm. a, I'm a great fan of things like Flux, the card game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the way to enjoy Flux is to realise that whoever wins is totally irrelevant and random, because you can't actually do a lot to yeah. influence it. But then there's the purists think that that sort of like takes away the notion of it being a game. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. And yeah, no, I, I disagree with those purists completely. That's not a game. In fact, I think that Flux, how they're thinking that it's played, if they're playing with the, the competition as the primary focus and that that's a win, then they're not playing a game, they're playing a sport. And I think that's a very important distinction, big distinction that needs to be made. 
um, because the word game is kind of obfuscated, really. Uh, it means so much. It means that, you know, the thing on, on your phone, a, a game of Sudoku on your phone, or it means a 40-hour adventure where I've gone off into a forest and explored fairies. Or, you know, it's completely different uh, experiences. Uh, I, I do wish that people would understand that more. And I, I really like that idea, that Flux really is just about being, having a good time together. There's another one called Munchkin. It's just um, this, uh, it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, but simplified completely down into a card game. And it's really just about being together and throwing cards at each other, basically. Who cares or wins? You said you're not into making games, but do you have ideas for games rattling around in your head? Are they the sorts of things that bubble up anyway? No, I, I did, or I thought I did. Uh, and I, yeah, there, there was a point at which I thought, well, the only natural evolution of me playing games and being so passionate in them is that I should make them. But no, I, I've lost that interest completely because there's just so many good game developers out there and they've made everything that I'd ever wanted to make. And I'm so happy about that, that there's so many people that want to do that because I get to play those games. I get to play every game that I ever thought of. It was one that I bought a couple of weeks ago that I'd never heard of in my life. I just bought it on a whim and it was exactly what I thought I'd never wanted to like. It's the, the best game that I've ever played. It's, it's, it's great to just live in that world. We shall have to send you the game that my son Henry and I created over lockdown. Crazy Chess. Please do. I already love the name. It's a it's it's one way of thinking about it, although it's it's not really like it. But if if you think about it as a cross between chess and flux, is is a okay. useful way of describing it. Yeah. Just on the the the, the notion we had is what happens if you were to, you know, the rules that you play by are completely arbitrary. Yeah. What would, what would happen if the if the game was such that those rules kept changing? I I, I really want to see this game. This sounds amazing. <laughs> I shall I shall send you a a link to it. It was it was a lots of fun just creating it, just just trying yeah. to figure out that that game world. Yeah, absolutely. Getting to break down the rules of the game is a part of the fun of the game, um, for sure. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have How to Destroy Angels. Too late, all gone. Why this one? Uh, if I'm ever to talk about myself, uh, very quickly. Be- Behind gaming is Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor. Uh, the, he's, I think, the greatest musician. He's my favorite musician by far. Sorry, Mum. Amanda Palmer is the close second now. Um, I, and uh, I, I just had a, a thought about which song to play, and I think it's the one from where he gets with his wife and makes his album with his wife, Maraqueen, um, called How to Destroy Angels. And this is just my favorite song from there. Conflict, 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 
David, we've seen lots of changes over the last year and a bit mm-hmm. in society. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Uh, people communicating with each other overseas in a, a much more readily available way. The, the advent of digital communication, I think that's going to improve a lot. It was already pretty good, but um, it, it's so cool to see that those boundaries have been lifted now. They, they, they were invisible boundaries beforehand. There was just some unspoken rule that despite the fact that we could communicate to each other online, it was for some reason just not as cool to not have them uh, in the same room and, you know, you couldn't just put them on video. But now you've got all these talk shows, like, you know, you've got um, uh, Norton, um, uh, sorry, what, what's his first name? <laughs> Graham. <laughs> yep, thank you, Graham Norton. Uh, and so he's just got people playing on screens now to, um, to interview on screens. And uh, I think that's really neat that, uh, that there are situations that people just pass them by, not being able to talk to people that for some reason they consider to be too far away, they now get to. And what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger challenges that we face, the ones that can't be solved by us going in, into our bedrooms and watching Netflix or playing games? I don't things, know. things like climate change or social justice, can, is that things we can learn from that? So I, I would say that my focus here and something that I wish that I'd be able to fix is just the rampant misinformation and the disturbing number of people who just readily buy into that misinformation. I guess you already sort of saw the genesis of this with the whole flat earth community and who knows what they were thinking when they started um, thinking that, or sorry, thinking is too strong a word. Um, the the fact that that has mutated into people now actively believing that the COVID vaccine is in so, is somehow more dangerous than COVID or dangerous at all uh, is incredibly disturbing to me. And if this continues the way it's going, uh, the consequences are unimaginable. I wonder if there's something we can do about games about that. People talk about gamifying things like you know. Could, could we gamify the the collection of of facts? Could we gamify how we how we interact? Can you get points for 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 commenting on things that sort of thing? Do you think that that's got legs? That's I see. The problem is the, the issue is that for every one of those games, the the people on the other side are just going to make another competing game and are going to try and make it more somehow rewarding in some superficial way. But because that's already what's happening. There's already an inherent game being played because you've got your two your two teams. You've got your people who are pro science and pro the human race, you know, coming together and killing this virus, and then you've got the team who are anti that for some unfathomable reason. And I, I think back to that, that thing I was saying with the MMO, with that virus that spread through the game, I think, was there anyone who was denying that that was happening? No, because people were dying left, right, and center, and also they could, I guess, click on each other and clearly see that there is this debuff called whatever it was, virulent plague, I think it was, uh, that indicated that you had the virulent plague. Um, the, we, we don't unfortunately have it that simple. Uh, we, we definitely have a way of telling whether we have COVID, but for some reason that's not enough for the people who somehow managed to deny that it's the case. So I don't know that gamification is the answer. I think the opposite 
is the answer. I, I don't know what I'm meaning by saying that. I don't know what the answer is. It disturbs me that I couldn't really give you any theoretical situation and that I, in which I can fix this. So, David, I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, I think that's my blog. I, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I'm happy that I finally made the decision to, to put that down to paper. It's been floating around in my mind for many years, and I just said I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I've written many, many entries of it, and it's just sort of a chronicle of my adult life now is on a website, and I like that I have that piece of identity on there. How do we find it? Do you want us to find it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's uh, platinumretro.com. It's a stream of consciousness. <laughs> it's <laughs> a bit rambly, but I think it's got some, some merit here and there. So what's your superpower? Superpower? Oof. What is my superpower? I, I guess it's a very good question. Um, your, mother is, 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 your mother is trying very hard not to answer for you. Oh, yeah. Go on, then. What's my superpower? Your intelligence, son. You're very, very smart. Thank you. I'm sure if I agree, but I'll trust my mother on that one. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. Um, Considering what I was just talking about, I never really sort of gave too much thought for a little while about what you were just saying and what I was saying about the um, these anti-vaxxers. Yeah, in that respect, yes. And if I ever thought of a solution to be able to prevent this terrible, terrible thing from happening in the world, I would actively go out and try to fix it. So what motivates you? Just cooperation, friendship, just living a, a, a calm, peaceful life. What's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or two? Getting, getting this viewership base, managing to actually maintain a viewership and be able to, to properly, professionally game. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Just listen to one another. And if, if you think that someone's saying something that they can't back up with any actual facts, then go out and look at it yourself. And if you think that person is receptive to, to criticism or being able to change their mind, then please try to. And if they're not, well, then just cuddle ties with them. Sounds good to me. Moira? Um, David, I'm very proud of you. I have to say, and I really like the grown up to be. And I think if um, if there are any other mums out there worried about one of the children in the family because there can be only one <laughs> becoming a professional gamer, don't worry, about it. just let them go for it. Thanks for coming and joining us. Thank you very much for that.
Blowing bubble with positive conversations of people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday afternoon at three, and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is the Who Pinball Wizard. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira and David Karatai in Fakatani. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.